Hello, and welcome to Tell Us Your Story, a new podcast from the Institute of Public Affairs. I'm Kian Hussey, Research Fellow at the IPA and the host of this show. In this series, I talk to Australian entrepreneurs to hear their story. We'll discuss what inspired them to start their own business and explore the insights and advice they want to share with enterprising young Australians who wish to create their own opportunities and success. Entrepreneurship and risk-taking are central to the Australian way of life. Despite this, Australians are increasingly seeking the comfort of employment over what's seen as the risky and uncertain path of business creation. But entrepreneurs are needed now more than ever. Don't let your dreams be dreams. The COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated many structural issues, especially for younger Australians who've been at a disadvantage since the global financial crisis. Our future prosperity, our democracy and our very way of life depend on enterprising and innovative Australians. It's vital that we unlock their potential. Today I'm talking to Verity Tuck and Hannah Spilver, the founders of Lovely, a national gift delivery service. Hannah and Verity, thanks for joining me on Tell Us Your Story. How are you both today? Good, thanks well. for having us. Yeah, no worries. Good good to have you both on. So can you explain for, for listeners who might not be familiar with Lovely, um, what it is exactly you guys do and, and how you got started in the business, kind of why you started the business as well? Sure thing. So Lovely is a direct-to-consumer flower and gift delivery business. So we're a purely online business. You can find us at lvly.com.au. Verity and I started this business six years ago. We actually celebrated our sixth birthday um, this week. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, And look, we, we sort of jumped out of our careers in advertising to start this business with very, um, well, I was going to say very little experience in the flower industry. I'd correct that to no experience in the flower <laughs> industry. But what we did have experience in was um, creating brands and um, a, a sort of deep understanding of the digital space, having sort of specialised in digital marketing, um, both of us, for the, for, for the prior decade, really. Um, and Lovely started its life, I'd say, more as a brand-led idea. So we had this really clear a vision about the company's purpose and wanting to create a business that would make people's day that would um, spread a bit of happiness in the world really and connect people in moments of love support and celebration Um, and so this idea of kind of gifting and flowers sat sat really well against that brand purpose and sort of underlying that Verity and I were living away from home at the time I'm from the UK, Verity's from Melbourne, we were in Sydney and we were looking for ways to let our family and friends know back home that we were thinking about them. And it wasn't necessarily about the big occasions like birthdays or anniversaries. Sometimes it was the little things like just letting them know we missed them or that we loved them. And we identified that there was clearly a gap in the market for, I guess, stylish, affordable, last minute gifts that were a bit of fun um, and that's really where this idea of of lovely as a same day gifting business uh, came about um, but it was sort of purpose first product second if you like and and when we started we literally set up shop in verity's kitchen <laughs> we went on um, an evening course to understand the basics of how to arrange flowers. Vez really kind of led the way with um, the florals and, and sort of was extremely hands-on in terms of putting the arrangements together and sort of the creative direction for the, for the floral aesthetic we've adapted over the years, really. Um, and we were delivering them ourselves. I think, you know, 
looking back, like most founders, we did everything ourselves and it was the best way to really understand the business we were building. But in the early days, it certainly wasn't a scalable business because there was just the two of us doing all of the things. You know, we built the website ourselves. We created the content ourselves. We did the marketing ourselves. We were arranging flowers. We were delivering flowers. We were the customer service team. Um, so whilst that set us in really good stead to understand the type of business we were building, clearly the business has had to change pretty dramatically over the last six years um, to put that sort of scalable infrastructure in, in place um, as revenue's grown. It, it's really interesting that you said you had the brand before the product. Like it seems kind of opposite to what a lot of people would do. They might go into business and think, I'm, I'm going to do this particular thing and then you build the brand around it. So I think that's very interesting. Yeah, look, I, I think so. And I, I think, I think yeah, a lot of people look at, it in, look at it in that way. But I think coming from a brand background and sort of intrinsically understanding how brands work, I think, you know, in the end, your brand and your product are the same thing. Your brand is everything. Your brand, I, you know, I think, you know, look, looking back, going back, you know, decades in the world of advertising, your brand was your logo, your brand was the color of your website. Um, but actually your brand is the entire experience. It's who you hire. Your brand is your founders, your brand is your values. Um, so I actually think we started in exactly the right place um, because now I think it doesn't matter how you interact with our business, but um, our brand, our purpose, our tone of voice and what we stand for, I hope and I, I think comes through in everything we do. So you mentioned, you know, you've been going for six years now. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk about what uh, the biggest challenges have been over this time. You mentioned at the, at the very beginning, it was very much, you know, bootstrapping and, and doing everything yourselves. Um, and, and what kind of challenges are you facing now that's, that's different Wow. Challenges. I think it was a lot of six years full of challenges, lots of big and small ones. Um, I think in the beginning, like, as you said, we bootstrapped the business ourselves, which means we funded the start of it um, or, and continue to fund um, all of it. And we are still a bootstrap business. Um, but what, what that means is you don't have a lot of cash flow um, and cash flow is the bloodline of your business basically like how do you keep it alive how what do you spend your money on to get your best bang for your buck how do you reach customers how do you get them the best product and best customer service and experience so that they come back um and we had to watch that like a hawk like any business because we didn't have much of it and that was a challenge. Sometimes we did make mistakes. Like any normal human being, we'd spend money on a piece of technology that didn't really go um, to plan and we'd, you know, we'd sink a bit of money into that and it didn't work and you go, well, that was a complete waste of time. And you can, we got, you know, you got a bit frustrated about it, but we learnt through those experiences of, I guess, what you'd call failure is that, you know, we learn a lot more about, how to approach it next time and um, why why that failed and why we wouldn't do that again or how we'd do it differently. And I think those experiences and challenges are what makes you stronger every day, every year, um, and has brought us around six years later to be, you know, an adaptable business that's truly scalable. And we're really proud that we're still 
bootstrap with no investment outside of ourselves, which, um, you know, means that we can own more of the business rather than getting an investor in. So I can't even remember the second half of your question, but that was kind of more of a general challenges. I think cash flow is one that most businesses face across all their years. Um, and how to use their money wisely. And you mentioned to me, Verity, before we came on that, um, you know, you both have sick children at at home this week. Um, So I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, the challenges with managing your your work-life balance. I know from my own experience with my dad running a small business, it can be really difficult um, to to do that. Um, So I'm wondering how you both do that with Lovely and and what your experience (laughs) has been there. Yeah, look... um We've been running Lovely six years. Um, It's the longest. I mean, we've had this business longer than we've been married to our husbands. Um, So it's kind of our first baby, you could say, and we both have (laughs) two other babies each. Um, But it's, I I don't know if we believe in the work-life balance. I don't think you necessarily get into a small business knowing that life is going to be completely balanced all the time. I think being completely eyes wide open, going in, going, there's going to be swings and roundabouts with all of this. There'll be times when, you know, you can have a bit of flexibility, but really you're in it to work your butts off. Um, And with kids, they're your priority at the end of the day. Hmm. Um, So how do you find time to do both? And you just do. I think it's just a, um, you have, you know, when you're in the eye of the storm with sick kids that you'll come out the other side and you'll be more focused and get those critical things done, um, that next week. And you just, after a few years of doing it, you just know that everything's going to be okay. At, at the time, it seems like a lot of work, um, when they're sick, especially. Um, but we've also got husbands that have their own businesses. So it's, we're kind of used to the juggle of, um, you know, priorities in the business and priorities at home. So, yeah, I think it just kind of comes with the territory and makes us stronger. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm going to change track a little bit. You've both mentioned, you know, scaling the business and Hannah, you said at the beginning putting about putting in the infrastructure to be able to scale the business. From what I've read, what's happened this year has been pretty remarkable um, for you two. So I've read that you've expanded by about 500% and you hired 50 new people kind of in the in the early stages of the 2020 coronavirus lockdowns. Um, can you can you talk about that a little bit, um, you know, what things you've learned from that and, and how you were able to, you know, seize that opportunity really in the early days when things were going south for so many others? Well, I think, look, this year, like, like for us and for everybody across the world, this year's been one like no other. And certainly at the start of COVID, Vez and I had no real idea what this was going to mean for our business. We didn't even know if the government would allow us to operate. We were, you know, terrified that we were going to have to put the business into hibernation mode, that we were going to have to stand down staff. And sort of as you as you alluded to, we, we very quickly realized that actually this was going to be the opposite story for Lovely. Um, and the business has kind of gone from survival mode to, to thriving. Um, but for us, you know, even pre-COVID, our story has been one of constant reinvention. The only way we've we've learned how to do things right in this business is by repeatedly doing things wrong. Um, <laughs> and, and that's the way that everybody learns in business, right? You just don't get things right start you don't you don't get you don't get things right straight away and you have to learn through making mistakes, which is why failure is actually not just good, but essential because it kind of, you know, gets you to the right place eventually. 
So I think, look, we, we definitely laid the groundwork by being a company that was agile, that wasn't scared of constant reinvention. Um, and because we'd always built this business to be um, a national business, we definitely had this scalable infrastructure, which meant that we could respond very quickly to market demand. So naturally in the gifting industry, you have two periods of the year, Valentine's Day and Mother's Day, where demand escalates very, very quickly over very short periods of time. So we'd already had some practice at creating this rhythm in our business of responding to change quickly. However, this year, um, we, over a six-week period, essentially scaled the business to a level that we weren't expecting to achieve until 2023. So it was was an incredibly rewarding but challenging journey for Vez and I. You know, we essentially, we recreated the company overnight. There wasn't anything in our company really that didn't change. We had to... Um, you know, figure out what our COVID policy and procedure was. Nobody knew what the COVID policy and procedure was, not even, not even the government at this stage. And, and we were trying to figure out what our new duty of care was to our customers and our employees and put policy around that. We were introducing contactless delivery. We were um, increasing our warehouse space by threefold, but also making sure we negotiated flexible terms around that, knowing that COVID wasn't going to last forever. So if the business needed to contract, we could also contract our costs. We were on a hiring spree. Within a 24-hour period, we had over 900 people apply for jobs within the company. Um, We were dealing with having to scale our supply chain. So there were so many parts of the business that were changing overnight. And I think it's only because not just Fez and I, but our whole team had had those prior years of getting used to dealing with chaos and change and reinvention, which are really kind of in the DNA of any good startup that we all felt really comfortable with embracing the situation we were in. And I should also say that underlining all of this, while we, whilst we were reinventing all these parts of the organization, we were all working remotely for the first time. So, so it really was, um, it was a chaotic time, but an exhilarating time. Cause I think as a founder, you, m- most, most founders, thrive when solving complex problems and that's really what covid threw at us so for me i will always look back at this year as yes challenging but probably one of the highlights of my professional life because of the complexity and the scale of the challenges that we had to solve over a really short period of time i know that you before covid had a focus on um your supply chains being you know trying to source flowers from Australia was that just a happy coincidence then when international travel and, and trade was was restricted or is that something that has always been important to you look it for us it was fortunate that we'd already laid out um, the foundation of a local supply chain supporting locals being part of our business since day one uh, it's something that both Verity and I have always felt incredibly passionate about so um, we kind of solidified that as a strategy about two years ago um, when we started to pivot our flower supply chain towards what we've kind of coined and trademarked as a paddock to posy approach. Um, That put us in a really fortunate position when COVID hit because what most people don't know is 40% of the flowers bought and sold in Australia are imported from overseas. Now, clearly when those imports aren't flowing in, 
as readily. Um, a lot of people in the flower industry and, and competitors couldn't get hold of the flowers they needed to sell, whereas we'd already established some of those local relationships, which meant that we were in a really good position to make, not only maintain, but increase our supply chain as our demand was increasing. Just thinking more generally over the past six years, what would you say are, are some of the most important lessons? Um, is there anything... Uh, that you wish that you knew when you were going into this? Anything, if, if you could kind of go back and, and speak to yourself six years ago, what, uh, you know, you had five minutes to, to go and explain something to yourself six years ago. What would you, what do you think you'd cover? This is always a hard question, I find. Um, I think I am personally really grateful to have a, a co-founder. So ha- having done it with Han um, through this journey, there's, it's such a rewarding experience to share. Um, also, when you're having some of the low experiences, you can go through that together. Um, but with a partnership does come um, things that you need to be really clear on up front. You need to have some really honest conversations about um, what your strengths and weaknesses are, um, how you want to work together. Even if Hannah and I had been working together for like five, six years already, so we, we kind of knew how we wanted or knew how each other worked, but you can't assume anything when you go into a new business. Um, so having those slightly awkward conversations up front, I think I wish I'd, we, we were really good at that in the end um, and we, we being, well, I shouldn't say being females, but we talked about our feelings a lot, I guess. Um, we, we did learn that eventually that we had to, you know, have those conversations straight away. Um, but I guess I wish I'd known that day one that you know we could have we could have had a, a few of those honest conversations and known how to better work together. Even though it's just a different, completely different kettle of fish when you're running your own business. So I guess that would be mine. What about you, Han? I think another really big one is um, I guess the perspective around what success looks like and how long that might take. I think there's a perception um, in the startup world that, you know, true overnight successes exist. And actually when you start to dig beneath the surface and speak to other founders and look at how long, you know, the unicorns or the perceived overnight successes have been around, you know, I think the average is like seven years. (laughs) So I, you know, and we're only six years into this. Um, So I think, you know, we were probably a bit naive going into this around just time frame wise, how much time it might take to build a really successful uh, business. Um, and I, you know, I think we're both really clear on that now. And Vez and I both have a, a long term commitment to the business. But I think, you know, it takes a long time and it takes a lot of mistakes. Um, and ultimately, you're going to you know, if, if you really want to build a scalable, successful business, you've got to be in it for the long haul. There's, there's no quick wins. So I think that was looking back. I wish I'd known that up front. Um, and I want to talk now about, um, about younger people who are thinking of starting their own business um, and what kinds of insights and advice you would share with, with them. Obviously, those two things probably very helpful, um, you know, to budding entrepreneurs who are in the position that you two were six years ago. Um, is there, are there any other, you know, words of um, advice or encouragement that you'd share with them? Yeah, I think um, 
for one, it's obviously it's the best thing I've ever done. I will look back forever and go, that was a moment in time that I've just I've exceeded my expectations on what I thought I was capable of, which is um, one thing that, you know, that's all you kind of hope for in your career um, to continually do that and evolve. But I think one thing that I went in, so we're both creative people, um, but also we both have operational understanding of how to run a business, not so much in the beginning, like we learned it all on the fly. But um, I wish I, I just want to the creative side's always fun, like the brand building, the product development, um, marketing. If it's it can you can get carried away a little bit with that. Just make sure that you also cross your T's and dot your I's around um, workplace health and safety. And when you get staff on your obligations to your staff and um, fair work and all that kind of thing, um, all of those things your legal obligations I think are just critical to running a really safe and well-functioning business um, and sometimes it's easy to put your blinders on because it's stuff that we, none of us have had experience in. We had to get experts in to help us understand our obligations a bit better um, but it's really important part of running a business and you don't want to get caught not having the right systems or structures in place I think from my perspective, um, I'd sort of say, you know, running, running your own business is, is not a job. Um, it's, it's a lifestyle. Um, so being a founder is very different to being an employee. You know, your business, your business doesn't owe you anything. Your business doesn't owe you a salary. You have to build a successful business to earn a salary. So it's, you have to go into it with a completely different mindset. Um, but I think there's, there's kind of three things, I think three things for me that are, that are really different and really rewarding about running a business. And the first is, um, creating a business or, or doing something in your life that has a really clear purpose that you care about. Um, and look, you don't need to build your own business to do that. You can have a job, you can be employed in a company that has a purpose that really aligns to you. But I think if you are going to build a business, making sure that it's not just about selling something, it's not just about making money, but it's actually about a purpose that you feel passionate about. So for us, that was making people's day and spreading happiness. And the second thing is kind of linked to that, which is making an impact. So is this purpose something that you feel that you as an individual and your business can make an impact on? And if it is, then great, because suddenly, even though running a business is incredibly stressful at times, if you've got a, if you've got a purpose you care about and you feel like you're having an impact on that purpose, then it's incredibly rewarding and motivating. And I think that's, it's the combination of those two things that keep you going as a founder. Um, and then the last thing is, you know, it, it just comes down to what makes you happy at the end of the day. So running a business isn't for everybody. It's not for, it's certainly not for the faint hearted, but I think, you know, being, being stressed and being happy are two things that don't need to ha happen in complete isolation. Like you can, you can have a stressful job, but be happy at the same time. Yeah. Like this is, this is a hard, this is a hard, I was going to say career path, but like I said, it's not even a career. It's a lifestyle really. It's the <laughs> way you're choosing to live your life. Um, and although it's hard, you know, Vaz and I have both found intense happiness in doing what we do. 
Um, there hasn't been a day since we started Lovely where I've gotten out of bed in the morning and wished I was doing something else. You know, I often think now, God, I just don't know what I would do if we weren't running Lovely. You know, that's how much I love it. It's, it's, part, of, it's part of who I am. It's part of my life. So I just think, you know, yes, it's hard and it's stressful and there's challenges. But oftentimes, as long as you're getting that purpose and impact part of the equation right, it will absolutely be the most rewarding thing you ever do. So Hannah, I've seen you say before that, um, you know, we, we must all be mad because there are far less stressful ways to make money. So I guess that what you've just <laughs> said kind of, kind of brings <laughs> that down back down to earth for anyone who's, um, who's thinking of starting a business, you know, maybe you're not mad. You just, you, you really see where you can make a difference in the world. Um, and you're, and you're passionate about it. Um, and, and it makes you happy. Totally right. Like there are, it's true. There are way less stressful ways to make money, but, but that's kind of the point, right? It's, it shouldn't be just about making money. You know, Vez Vez and I, there are so many other things that Vez and I could have been doing for the last six years that would have been, we'd have had a great work-life balance. If that's a thing that people believe in, we could have worked nine to five. We could have, you know, earned a great salary, um, but would it have made us happy? Would we have felt like we were having a true impact? So yeah, absolutely. I think as, as long as you're, as long as your money's always important, right? Because we've got to live We've, you know, people have got lifestyles to fund, they've got mortgages to pay, they've got families to support. So, so that's absolutely an important part of the equation. Um, but for us, it's never just been about that. Um, and it's all those other reasons why we do it that ultimately um, keep us engaged and keep us going into work every day and solving problems. But I imagine it must be a bit difficult as well with with Lovely because I, I guess it, it's how you can get the feedback from people because I'm someone who's, you know, lived in different cities to, to my close, you know, friends and my family and I'd know about, you know, when you have those those highs or those lows that you want to share with someone um, or when someone else has highs and lows you want to you know celebrate with them or or console them and you send them um, you know a bunch of flowers or, or whatever it is um, but but then how do you you know it must be difficult getting that that little feeling of joy that they get you know when they receive this package um, so it must be a bit strange that you don't actually get to you know get to see how people respond to it I think we're pretty lucky in this day and age with social media that you know those moments people want to share those you know receiving their gifts I guess we would love to be a fly on the wall when the delivery driver hands over that gift like that would be the ultimate like having a a live feed of those moments would be brilliant I think for our you know that is encapsulates our brand that moment when the customer receives their gift um, but I think we do receive a fair a lot of feedback from our customers through social media and emails and everything um, that we still feel like we fit, share in that joy. All right. Um, and, and finally, just the last question, where do you see Lovely going from here? Um, so I've seen that you're expanding into, into weddings, um, but what do the next few years look like for the two of you? Well, I think our vision remains steadfast, really. So we've always, uh, we've always sort of been on this mission to um, create Australia's most loved and most used flower and gift delivery service. So we're still on that mission. Um, clearly this year has kind of accelerated that goal somewhat slightly. We're sort of, you know, three years ahead of where we thought we'd be financially. Um, so we're resetting the goalposts in terms of targets, but ultimately um, 
operationally and, and strategically, we're still going to be doing all the same things. So it's about geographical expansion. We'll be, we'll be launching our same day service into more cities. Um, we're also ex extending that same day service into significant um, urban areas. So you'll see us, um, we've recently been rolling out um, in places like Geelong, Mornington Peninsula. So we'll continue to do that. We'll be testing our first international market next year. Um, and as well as that, putting a lot of time and energy into growing the new two divisions of the business around Lovely Weddings and Lovely Corporate. Um, and underlying that, you know, our, our long-term commitment to supporting local and Paddock to Posey, we will continue and only build momentum from here. Fantastic. Well, Verity and Hannah, thanks for, for joining me on Tell Us Your Story. Thanks for having us.